0: Disharmony between races, between couples, between friends, always is related to sin.
1: Dr. Tony Evans says sin is driven by selfishness and separation always follows. To
0: conquer division, you must conquer the sin that divides. This
1: is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. Dr. Evans, you titled today's message, Heaven's New Community. We all look forward to heaven as the place where there's justice and fairness and equality. What about here on earth? Is there a way we can see more of that in our society today?
0: Well, God doesn't want us to wait to heaven to experience heaven, or at least pieces of it. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, God will have people from every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue worshiping him. Without losing their uniqueness, they're going to be around the same throne. Well, what we are supposed to be today is a preview of coming attractions. You know, in movies and television, they show you clips of what's coming up. Well, we're supposed to be God's people, the church, heaven's new community operating on earth as a preview of what heaven is to look like. And that must happen intentionally. We can't just hope that it occurs. And that means that churches are going to have to take the lead cross-culturally, cross-racially, cross-socially, cross class to bring people together and model the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of men.
1: All right, and that's what we'll learn to do today as we turn to Ephesians 2 for a look at Heaven's New Community.
0: Three words will help you to appreciate this passage. Separation, reconciliation, and unification. Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are also called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He tells these now new believers that they were separated. He introduces this section with the word, therefore, Therefore, always takes you back to the immediately preceding section or verse that makes the link. Let's connect it with verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But he's simply saying God saved you by grace that he might do his thing in you for works. You're not saved by works, but you are saved for works works that God can get the glory from and also that benefits others. Good works means that your Christian life can never be fully recognized, can never fully achieve its God-given goals unless God is being glorified and people are being impacted. Those two things make up the concept of good works. Now, having said that, he now wants to tell them the good work that must be a part of the Christian dynamic, and that is the work in becoming and consolidating and being a dynamic part of God's extended family, or what I call heaven's new community. Verse 11 and 12 talks about two kinds of separation that existed in the church that Paul wants to address. One, the social separation, as seen in the words uncircumcision, and circumcision, he calls them Gentiles in the flesh. That is, as people look at other people, this is who you are. It would be like calling somebody black or white or Hispanic or Asian. That is according to the flesh. As men recognize differences, that's who you were. And he says that was an unenviable position to be in. Because Gentiles were scorned by Jews. They were viewed as unclean. A Jew in order to bypass not even having to come in the same neighborhood of a Gentile would go miles out of his way to bypass Gentile territory like Samaria. You remember the whole book of Jonah when Jonah wanted God's wrath to fall on Nineveh and didn't want God to have mercy on them, including the children, the animals, and nobody. He wanted God to destroy them all, and that's why he ran, the Bible says, from going to Nineveh, and he ran toward uh, uh, Tarshish because he did not want to see God's goodness applied to this people. They had the stigma because they were Gentiles of being uncircumcised, and to be uncircumcised meant to be unclean. Peter was a super Jew. Remember God rained down from heaven in Acts 10, the sheet having clean and unclean animals on it, and Peter said, I can't eat that unclean stuff. And God said this, don't call unclean what I call clean. Galatians 2, verse 11 and following. After Peter had learned his lesson from God, guess what happened? He was eating pork chops with the Gentiles. Some of the men of the circumcision came in. That means Jews. They came in and saw Peter, their pastor and fearless leader, fraternizing with the Gentiles and said, basically, how dare you eat with them? We gotta go to heaven with them, and when we get there, we'll fellowship. But from now till then, they belong on this side of town. And you belong on that side of town and nobody crosses these tracks. These are two separate worlds. That text says that Peter was so intimidated by the circumcision, the Jews, by his own race, that he backed up from the Gentiles. Now, can you imagine how they felt? And went to the Jews because he could not associate with them and keep his Jewish friends. They're part of the church, but they're bringing into the church the old standards of measurement. The old standards of adjustment. The old standards by which social acceptability is measured. And those of us who are aware of American history knows that the church was one of the prime promoters of segregation in the history of our country. Bringing the standards outside of the church into the church and making them God's standard and then dare to quote Bible verses on top of it. Okay, that is the atmosphere that he is addressing. He is addressing an atmosphere where they were separated. And what you have to understand is sin always separates. Okay, I'll talk about that in a moment. Please notice the the lines here that we are given in verse 12. They were separated from Christ. In other words, they had no hope of a Messiah. Not only that but they had no hope, so they were hopeless, he says. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And do you know the Gentiles had no hope? They had no hope. They didn't know what to look forward to, no clear perspective on eternity. Let me tell you something about hope. Hope depends on two things. Hope depends on a promise you can look forward to, and hope depends that on the fact that the promiser can pull off the promise. You have to have two things to have hope. You have to have a promise to look forward to, and you have to have somebody who can pull off the promise. That is why Christians have hope, because not only do we have the promises of Scripture, they're backed up by somebody big enough to pull it off. Why do we have hope that when you close your eyes in death, you really aren't dead, and that you enter into the presence of God? We don't have medical evidence for it. We can't take you to a doctor who can show you a soul leaving a body. I'll tell you why we have hope. We have hope because one, God said it. So we have the promise, but we have another hope, and that is God is big enough not only to do it, but has done it, all right? So that's why we have hope. Hope means a promise backed up by a person who can pull off the promise. So they didn't have a promise, the covenants, nor did they have anybody big enough to pull off the promise. Why? Because finally, he says, regarding separation, they were not only hopeless, they were godless. They had no God. They, had, they could appeal to no divine being. Now, they had idols. They had plenty of idols, according to Acts chapter 17. That's where Paul came in, and he told them about the unknown God, the one God that they didn't have, which was the true God who made heaven and earth. Now, this separation led to the need for reconciliation. And this is where our Savior comes in. But now, verse 13 says, in Christ Jesus, you were formerly afar off, have been brought near by the death or by the blood of Jesus Christ, referring to his sacrificial death. Now, let me tell you why you have disharmony between races, between couples, between friends, between anybody. The reason why you have separation always is related to sin. Why? Because sin is driven by selfishness. You see, people sin because they want to satisfy self. That's why you sin. You want to do something that pleases you, even though it doesn't please God. And the thing that pleases you that doesn't please God is sin. Now, if you get two people living in the same house and both are selfish you will automatically, count on it, erect the wall of separation. You can bike on it. Once you introduce selfishness to a relationship, you will automatically bring separation in the relationship. To conquer division, you must conquer the sin that divides. All you can do is set up laws to keep people from killing each other. But what you cannot do is inaugurate authentic relationship unless you deal with the spiritual issue of sin. So what God did in Christ by his blood was deal with sin. Now notice verse 14. He himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Notice what he says in verse 17. He came and preached peace. He came and preached peace. What he is saying is that Jesus Christ brought harmony or the basis for harmony where there was division. Now, this is very important what I'm getting ready to get into now, because what Jesus came to do was erect harmony where there was hostility. His death was about bringing things together.
1: Dr. Evans will come back in a moment with more of his lesson on Heaven's New Community. Right now, though, I encourage you to follow up on what we've been hearing by requesting a copy of Tony's current message compilation, Faith, Hope, Unity. This tribute to Black History Month explains how to dig up the root of personal prejudice, build healthy, authentic relationships with other believers, and set an example for the world of what real community looks like. We're making it available as a thank-you gift to anyone who comes alongside our ministry with a financial contribution. And as an added way of saying thanks, we'll even include a copy of Tony's insightful new book entitled A Survey of the Black Church in America, exploring its history, ministry, and unique strengths. Don't put it off. This special offer ends this week. So drop by TonyEvans.org right away for all the details. Or let one of our team members help you when you call one 800 Our Resource Center is open 24-7, so there's no need to wait. That's 1-800-800-3222. we will return to Dr. Evans and the second part of today's message right after this. This November, join Dr. Tony Evans on an inspiring cruise along the Mexican Riviera. Immerse yourself in his sermons, connect with fellow followers of Christ, and experience the serenity of life at sea. Embark on lively excursions along the coast of Mexico and enjoy a blend of spiritual development and cultural exploration. Visit TonyEvans.org and book your voyage from November 9th through the 16th. Enjoy and explore.
0: The word reconciliation means to bring together again. That which was split up to bring together again. Now, you remember in World War II, Europe was divided. It was divided from the Warsaw Pact and NATO. And Germany was split right down the middle. And to separate East Germany from West Germany, they erected the what? Berlin Wall. Two different lands, two different philosophies, communism versus democracy, two different peoples, always on the verge of either a hot war or a cold war. That wall represented hostility. Now notice what Jesus did in verse 14. He himself is our peace. So our peace is a person who made both groups into one, Jew and Gentile, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. You see, in the Jerusalem temple, one built by Herod, there was the wall of the Gentiles. It separated the Gentile court from the Jewish court. A Gentile better not try to climb over that wall. In in Europe, you in East Germany, you try to climb over that wall when it was up to West Germany, they had men there with rifles to take you down. No climbing over this wall. In biblical days, they had in the court the wall that separated the Jews from the Gentiles and the Bible says in the book of Acts they sought to kill Paul because they thought he was bringing a Gentile over the wall. This was serious stuff. This was death stuff. That's how much the hatred was. Enter Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, death on the cross, he says, obliterated the wall, the Berlin Wall, spiritual Berlin Wall, that separated people who were separated for years. Now the implication of this is staggering as you'll see in a moment. But what Jesus did was he broke down the barrier. That is what that wall represents by doing what? Turning two groups into one group. Now, You can't turn two into one and still have two. All right? This new group that would incorporate Jews and Gentiles is called the church. That's the unique entity. This thing called the church, heaven's new community, would be a new race, almost like a third race. A third race of people who would be brought together in one family... Based on one person, Christ, who did one act, and that was by his blood, tear down the hostility. Now, what was the hostility that put up the wall in the first place? Well, he tells us in verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the conflict, strife, division, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Now this is deep. To appreciate this, you have to understand the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, the Jews had laws given to them by God, right? Let me tell you about the essence of those laws. The essence of those laws separated what was clean and acceptable to God and what was unclean and unacceptable to God. So let's break that down a little bit. If you were a righteous Jew, pig feet you would not eat. Pig feet you would not eat. The reason why? Because in the law, pig feet were unclean. So were chitlins, ham hocks, and all that other stuff, all right? That was unclean. God called it unclean. If you ate that food, then you became unclean because you ate that which was unclean. And what you think them Gentiles like to eat? Pig feet, hog moths, chilins, pork chops, ham hocks. They were eating this stuff all the time. So not only were they born unclean because the Jews didn't like them because they weren't Jews, but they lived unclean because they enjoyed the very things that the Jews were restricted from because they were unclean. So the Jewish law was a wall because it separated that which was clean versus that which was unclean. But here's the good news. In the death of Jesus Christ, the ceremonial laws were no longer in force. He canceled them out so that no longer could you appeal to your diet or to any other ceremony, to observing a certain day, to uh, uh, doing things a certain way as a means of separation, because Jesus Christ abolished that as a standard by which unclean and clean was measured. Now, you may raise the question, why God ever set the standard in the first place? Well, God created Israel to be a unique people. He gave them unique laws unlike any of the other nations. He gave them unique guidelines like nobody else had so that they would become a light to the nations because they would be so peculiar, people would want to know, why are you so different? The same thing God says to the church today. We are a peculiar people. The Gentiles would say, you don't eat pork chops? Why? Why? Then the Jew was supposed to open his Bible and to say, because we have to be clean before God, and that would lead him into Jewish evangelism to explain who the true God was and that he had unique standards. Because what would get the Gentiles' attention is, well, y'all are different. You, you're not like us, right? We're not like you for a purpose. That's why all through the Old Testament, God criticizes Israel for being like the other nations. Because when you're like the other nations, you lose your witness. So they had to be a little bit peculiar, so God set this up as a draw so that they could explain their uniqueness to the other nations. Now, they did not keep that difference. But when Jesus Christ died, he abolished the need for the ceremony because the ceremonies were all there to point to the need for a savior. Once the savior comes, you don't need the ceremony anymore. So it was abolished. Not only did he abolish or nullify the ceremonial law, but he kept perfectly the moral law, the Ten Commandments. He never sinned. Now, you're not going to heaven because you've never sinned. You're going to heaven because Christ has covered you with his righteousness. You see, I'm not going to heaven because I've never sinned. I'm going to heaven because I have been covered by the blood. That's why, listen to me, and we're getting the deep theology here, but that's why Jesus had to live a perfect life. If Jesus would have committed one sin one time, he couldn't be a savior because then he would have had to suffer for his own sin. He had to live a perfect life because God could not credit to our account the righteousness of Christ unless Christ was in fact righteous. Because Christ was righteous, God is now credited to the account of every man, woman, boy, and girl who has trusted Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ. And guess what he did with our sin? He credited to the cross our sin that we committed and what happened to that sin? It was judged on Calvary. Then he took the righteousness of Christ and put it in our spiritual bank account and that's what our bank shows in heaven. Perfect righteousness in Christ and even though we're not perfect, Our imperfections are covered by the blood. Every time God looks at me, he runs into Jesus Christ because Jesus covers me with his blood. I am not perfect, but God has credited perfection to my account. He has given me a credit. And oh, what a credit it is. A person who doesn't go to heaven, you know why they don't go? They don't have a credit. You got to have a credit to get to heaven. And you can't have your credit because your credit won't pay this bill. It's got to be perfect credit, and that is the credit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what Jesus did by abolishing it, and he made the two, verse 15, into one new man establishing peace. Now, let me tell you why this is important. This is important because if you don't see yourself as part of the new man, you'll keep functioning like you're part of the old man. So racism will stay, classism will stay, culturalism will stay, all kind of divisions based on uh, a lot of things will stay, both on the personal level, family level, church level, and certainly societal level, because you do not see that you're part of this new race that God's established his uh, heavenly new community.
1: Dr. Tony Evans with some important words today for the church as we strive to function here on earth as a preview of what's coming in heaven. Now, if you feel motivated to do something toward building heaven's new community, consider passing on this lesson to your friends, family, or church leaders. It's available on both CD and downloadable MP3s, and includes more material than we were able to present on the air today. Just visit TonyEvans.org where you'll find a link on the homepage for the audio collection today's message came from. It's called Faith, Hope, Unity, a Tribute to Black History Month. And if you contact us at TonyEvans.org today, then along with the full-length sermons from this series, we'll also send you a bonus copy of Tony's informative new book, A Survey of the Black Church in America. This special package is our gift to you when you make a donation to help support the work of The Urban Alternative. Again, the details are waiting for you at TonyEvans.org. Or let one of our team members help you by calling us anytime today or tonight at 1-800-800-3222. Well, tomorrow, more from Dr. Evans on our part in supporting God's agenda, seeing one another through His eyes and becoming Heaven's new community. I hope you'll join us. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative, made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you.